Gotcha. Ah, you came in hot. I wasn't ready. Pals. <laughs> Afternoon, pals. Afternoon, hey, nice one. Welcome yeah. to the podcast, Throw in the Power. Thanks for listening. Uh, how are we all? Very well. Do you guys miss when we were younger and we used to play games where you would have like a cricket bat, pretend it was a gun and go like, pow, pow, pow. I got you. No, you didn't. I did. No, I was wearing armour. I rolled. And you just have to like have that debate about whether you actually. <laughs> it's even funnier that you were doing that on your own because you didn't have <laughs> <laughs> yes, most of us were just playing cricket. No, that's cricket. not what they're for. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> a little known fact. Come around the corner and Tom's talking to himself. <laughs> so this is, the, this is the podcast throwing the power where we talk about movies? Yeah. Not Was that a question? <laughs> I mean, yeah. on a I don't know, was it? <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think? It pops up from time from to time. From time to time. We talk about movies, we debate each other's opinions or something like that. And uh, we score our movies that we talk about out of 11 and uh, Thomas... Please tell us why. Why do we do it out well, of 11? Uh, yeah. 11. Isn't that dependent on the film we're talking about? Which yeah, is there a mentioned? movie that we're watching uh, that we spoke, we did? That we're Birdman. Doing? Or. <laughs> All right, for the listener, that was Birdman. We're doing Birdman. <laughs> Birdman, comma, no, subtitle, parentheses, mm. the unexpected virtue of ignorance. But I think we should just talk about Birdman. We should probably just do we Birdman. Do that. We we'll just do, do Birdman. That sounds way better. Uh, and we score them out of 11. Why is that, Thomas? 11 is the number of times. <laughs> I mean, we, we could have just done the 11 thing before the movie title. He's so mad. I think we should keep addressing it. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> 11 times we've talked about it, the format of the episode. Yes. Uh, 11 is the number of times that Zalik... Uh, <laughs> Zalik That Zach Galifianakis ruined a take in this movie when they were six minutes in. I'm genuine, like, if you guys didn't read this. Oh, really? They would be, like, six or seven minutes into a take and he would accidentally call Michael Keaton Batman instead of Bird. Man. No, no, that didn't happen. That's not true. No, <laughs> can you, I was going to say because obviously they rehearsed this film so much. My, Zach Galifianakis was actually one of the best at not messing up long takes because they had a tally going, and and yet he does. Yeah, he does, but he keeps it going. Do you remember the one I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, he says, uh, I think he says Batman instead of Birdman. Is that the one? <laughs> yeah, and they left <laughs> it in. <laughs> um, no, he goes to say like. The Prince of Saudi Arabia is in the order, but he goes like, the Prince of Arabia, Sa- Sa- Saudi Arabia is in there and he fully flubs it and they just keep going. And you're like, that felt natural. Like you that- just said Axel Mathis, so yeah, we should forgive him <laughs> and forgive you. Yes, this is all but I want. Take. Yeah, we do this every week, Alejandro Inurito. We film this in one take, no edits. Not that impressive. Go on, Frank. Beautiful pronunciation of Alejandro's name. Thank you. I'm I'm nervous to say the last name Inaritu. Inaritu, it's got like that Inuritu. accent above the end that makes it like a sliding. In your region, I wasn't waiting for it. <laughs> Glad it's done now, Sorry. and that's I the said last. that same joke off mic before. Oh, and, it, and it was great then. <laughs> Funny then. <laughs> Funny now. Missed it. Okay, so oh, Birdman or the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, a 2014 film, won four Oscars, and like you said, written and directed by Alejandro. G and Yurito because he always goes by the G. I believe the G. So I don't wait, wait, the G so stands for. What's his? It's what? Ali G. Is he it's Ali G? Gonzalez. He's Ali G. Yeah, sorry. We're going by Ali G. Previously, today. he well, we'll seems a little G. disrespectful, but yeah, well, just for the sake of the pod, we we'll call him Ali G. Selecta. <laughs> Is that? I hope that's an Ali G We're reference because <laughs> sounded offensive. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, shout your name if you like this movie. Frank. Chris. Oh. Marcus. Oh, Tom. Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, let's um, 
Tom, you seemed unsure. So should we, we'll start with your scores. I'm assuming it's fairly low. I'm at like a 6.7 for this. That's not mm. bad. Okay, uh, Marcus? 7.1. Yeah. Chris? Uh, crack out the egos. 11. Three with whoa, 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 whoa. No. Keep, uh, <laughs> <laughs> not only was Frank... Maddingly pressing the button over and over. He was rocking back and forth on his chair. The excitement was uh, just too much. It was like a Daft Punk concert. It was. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Okay, an 11 for Chris. That's amazing. I did not see that coming. Neither did I. No, I truly um, Well, I'll just, quick, I'll just quickly go. It's an eight for me. So, you know, a bit lacklustre to finish wow. the numbers, but uh, we should plan that in advance maybe. Whoever has yeah, the highest. Right. We, should, we, should we should be better at what we do. We should do we, any what preparation. What we should do is we should talk about how we feel about the movie before we come on mic and then we've got it all sorted out. We so should then we do, don't have to worry. All right, doing, who's Mike and why? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, well, hold on. Uh, for the listener, Thomas has been saying for weeks that he hates this film. To you and I have been talking about it? What? Yeah. I've been saying I'm not excited to revisit it. I oh. think hate's strong. I'm like, I'm not I must have sh- misheard him when he said, I hate this fucking film. That's what he said. He does that voice that he does. That. <laughs> I hate well, it. For the uh, listener, Frank and I watched this for the first time ever at cinema together. Wow, back in 2014. Do you remember that? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Marcus's is Sorry, sorry, no, 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 sorry scrapbook. Yeah. <laughs> Best friends forever. That tattoo on my back feels silly now. Uh, no, 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 I'll keep going. And uh, I just moved to Melbourne. Frank was kind enough to put me up, a young strapping actor who was struggling and broke. And Me um, or you? <laughs> both of us. We really we were not a good duo. And uh, and we we rolled a fat spliff. Remember that one? You can't say that. Cut that. And then we went to the cinema and I remember because we bought like big jumbo Cokes and we bought like a bottle of Johnny Walker and we poured out half the Coke and we just emptied the Johnny into these jumbo Cokes. And we had a great time. And we had just not I, in the headspace. As to soon watch as you this. said rolled a spliff, yeah. I went, I know exactly what we're talking about. Exactly. I do remember. So you guys stoned and drunk really loved this movie. Yeah. 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 I mean, and again, last I watched it last night, and I, I I think I liked it at the start. I liked it more last night. Mm. Being sober might have helped. Second watch was far better. <laughs> far better. Okay. Yeah, because drugs are bad. Mm-hmm. Just quickly say that. <laughs> drugs are bad. Drugs are really fun. <laughs> No, 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 sorry, sorry. What okay, I now that all the cool people are left. <laughs> all right, mum, turn this off. I've uh, never smoked drugs. But we it was a lot to process the first time around from memory. We kind of walked out going, what happened? Yeah. You guys were, uh, we'll could, should have that. faced the right direction. <laughs> yeah. It was we're, like, we're still at the candy bar trying to pull in chairs. I was just enjoying how comfortable that chair was, honestly, yeah. and the popcorn. Uh, um, should we start with Chris? Should we start with Tom? No, let's don't, start start with, don't start with me, please. Let's start with Michael Keaton. <laughs> okay. Michael, Michael, what did you think of the... <laughs> oh, we were making this with a you know, Stop. Bad impression. <laughs> Have you guys, you guys remember it? Community. There's the episode yeah. where... <laughs> here, here we, we go. go. I'm just, we, but like... <laughs> 
Annie, wait, 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 wait. Annie accidentally yeah. breaks um, Arbed's like special edition DVD <laughs> of The Dark Knight. Yes. And Donald Glover is like, oh, you're going to replace the entire movie with DVD commentary? Sure. Go ahead. Do your Christian Bale. Let me show this scene to us really. <laughs> She's like <laughs> trying to do her best. And it's like, why would he be doing that voice in the commentary? <laughs> Very funny. Um, thank you for allowing that little indulgence. It's roulette when it comes to Tom picking a show to talk about. It's yes. Going to be, yeah, theory theory rock or community. Or theory. It's very true. Uh, Chris, sorry, why do you love this movie? 11. This is your second one after Stargate? Uh, Forest. Forest, Stargate and this. Quite a trifecta. It's a hell of a thing. Yeah. 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 Who That's are the most you? You are given as well, surely. I, if only we had a spreadsheet that someone kept up to date <laughs> with all the scores we gave. I mean, I as the as three. the regular <laughs> listeners would know, I'm such an upbeat, positive reviewer yes. of, Chris, of all of films. He's a lover of film. He's a happy-go-lucky <laughs> 11 giver. Just throws them out. Um, uh, far away, friend. So it's uh, 2014 you said yep. this came out? Mm. Correct. Um, the three of us have studied theatre. We've... We've been there. We've we've done it. I don't know of another film like this, and I could say that in relation to twenty different things in this film. Yeah, doing the ten-minute-long takes, the fact that it's giving the impression that it's all one shot for mm. the entire thing. You get to see, going back to the theatre thing, you get to see the grimy unglamorousness of backstage of a theater it it that just brought back wonderful memories and it's just it it's it's some kind of beautiful sweet spot and i wonder sorry to interrupt i wonder if this lands for people who haven't done theater or been on stage because i remember watching it last night i was like it, it, it's like almost nostalgic mm. and that's a, a part of the reason I love it. Being behind, like, you know, in the wings for a stage show or just watching the rehearsal happen and how they craft it and bring it together. I don't think that would land for most normal people. Mm. But for us in this room, we're probably like, yeah, oh, acting's the best thing ever. Ooh, very excited to see it. That was me. That was me, gleeful, yeah. <laughs> and on top of that, <laughs> on top of that, the the score is just... Rum. Yeah, I was gonna. Oh, I, beautiful jazz undertone. Uh, just and through the and film. one enormous pet peeve of mine when watching uh, video clips from bands is they'll cut to a shot of the drummer. He's doing the wrong bit. And he's doing the wrong doing, fucking bit. Yep. There are two perfect shots in this film where it pans past the drummer, freezes on him, and then moves it on, and he is playing the exact <laughs> right. Thing. Exact right thing. Even to the angle of the stroke, I was like, "That has to be the one. That has to be the take yeah. they've used because the audio is perfect." I was going to say the angle of the stroke was shut, right. Shut, shut it. No. <laughs> as, um, Don't ruin this moment. <laughs> as someone who can play the recorder as well as me, I uh, I agree. Antonio Sanchez is the drummer, and he is phenomenal. It's yeah. a, it's Insane. one of the great. And but it was it was not allowed to be nominated for best score of the Oscars true. because half the score is. Classical music. It's like a lot of Mahler or a lot of Tchaikovsky mm. and other things. I think that's silly. I would have nominated it. I probably would have given it. Of Even all without- things, I would have given this movie best score, absolutely. I think it's a fantastic score. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Stunning. It's compelling in a way that I think is similar to another movie that came out this year, Whiplash, which engages much more directly, like Damien um, Chazelle's first film with uh, J.K. Simmons and- And your mate. My mate, Tiles Meller, and it's <laughs> a very big- uh, like a movie centered around 
uh, jazz drumming and and sort of percussion in general. And I think that also movie, obsession and yes, passion. I think that movie's better. I prefer Whiplash, and I think the way it engages with music is more specific because it's a musical film. But it's the element of this that I remember. I watched both those movies very close to each other back in 2014. And I was like, it's oh. crazy how much these guys are, are both engaging with this sort of. Score. Can I throw you one scene? Yeah, in this in in Birdman, yeah. um, you have. Uh, the daughter, played by Emma Stone, Emma Stone oh. uh, talking to Ed, Edward Norton, and they're up on the rigging uh, where, oh, they're, where the, they're pulling the, the wings with yeah. the curtain and the flies. The, the second time they've been on the roof, and now they've come. Before, they've come right? down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before they bang, right? And they are in mm-hmm. some sort of beautiful, eerie blue-green light, and behind them are all the thick ropes for pulling up and down the scenery and the mm-hmm. curtains, mm-hmm. and. The score changes then to like a cello or a harp being plucked. And mm-hmm. so your ears and your eyes are essentially seeing the same oh, thing. Cool. You are seeing strings and yeah. oh. Yeah, it's magical. So it's magical. That's pretty great. Beautiful. Yeah. There's, I I, there's something that. in this, I think, compared to Whiplash. Whiplash is a bit more straightforward. And for Chris and I as drummers, it's cool. But I think this is much more creative and I think the music is more enjoyable in this. The drumming angle was off in Whiplash is what you're saying. Well, strokes. Right. Strokes. strokes, sorry. Actually, Tell no, us Ma- more about your stroking angle. Go. Miles Teller does do a very good job of that. He does most of the drumming in that film. It's the only movie I can stand him in. I think he's fantastic in it. What about Top Gun Maverick? Oh, my bad. You mean when he's Bradley yeah, Bradshaw? Great balls of fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Marcus, what do you think of Birdman? Uh, I love it. But I think you can't. You almost can't go wrong with a cast like this as well. Um, it's pretty it's, exceptional. Yeah, like Naomi Watts, Emma Stone. Okay, sorry, but Naomi Watts not – sorry, that was so aggressive. That's okay. Naomi Watts was not nominated for an Oscar for this. Mm. Emma Stone was. Not mm. right, not right. No, I agree with Couldn't that. Agree I, with that. I'd give Emma Stone credit. I mean, she looks – She was fine. Particularly she cracked out in this one as well. Like if you know, if you understand what I mean by that. Um, yes. She did the job. Guy. She was fine, but she was she was almost the neutral in this. Like she played a very sort of easy character for her. Um, I thought she was fine. I, I just think that she was uh, outacted by the rest, Okay. to be fair. Yeah. Yep. How do you feel yeah. about Emma Stone in this, Chris? I enjoy her in this. I think um, she's fantastic. Yes. And this, as we know from the Benoit Blanc film, I'm not the biggest fan of Edward Norton, but even this film makes me like Edward Norton, despite yeah. the fact he's playing another asshole. But, but it's so, so delicious so in this. At it. But it's also like a heightened version of himself. Like Michael Keaton is playing essentially a washed-up Michael Keaton, mm. and he's playing Edward. Ed, extrapolated version of it. They Edward just got Norton. Edward Norton on a day in New York and they just filmed him. <laughs> like that's what this movie is. It's yeah. Edward Norton being himself. I love the bit where he's like, just feed me a line, just feed me a line. Yeah. He's like, how do you know the script? Oh, it's just a, you know, it's just a thing I yeah. have. <laughs> it's like you're a dick. It's crazy. so arrogant. <laughs> and then he's like. But he's so he's so good. The love I think you're talking about, it's, it's this kind of love. Is that what you're saying? And Edward Norton takes a moment like. Is that what I'm saying? Yeah, that is what I'm saying. Like it's it's a great beat. He's, but it's also it's, yeah. it's so self indulgent. But it's so accurate. Actors are just egomaniacs. And I was like, wow, I've seen someone like this in my life before. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Ouch! I felt that across the table. 
I'm joking, pal. I'm joking. He's, 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 he's going to rocket you. Yeah. I mean, it's going to hurt. But don't you think that's accurate? All, all of us Yeah, Marcus is a piece of shit. Yeah. yeah. No, no. That, that is a delicious scene because they're having this back and forth on script and then they both look at each other like, uh, that, I'm like, oh, yes. That's they're kind of, wonderful. And then the scene where they get in a fist fight. Man, this, this movie is hilarious. Whereas you think that the score may have been the best Part of this, I think the script was phenomenal. I don't think the score was the best part. Of oh, this. that's sorry, the drum. That's I, I mean, I, I really like the score. It's, I think it's oh, one. Of, okay, I think sure, it's. Sure. I definitely like it more than the script. I would say, but really? you, you really like the script. I yeah, love the script. Okay. So mm. many good lines. I had to write them down. Like, and it not, feels I'm not great when it comes to recall, but it feels very natural. Yeah, like the, it's sort it of is. like. And then you can like. I think the switch to look at them stage acting is a little heavy. You know, it, obviously, it makes the choice to be like. Guys, when you're performing, you're really doing the acting, and then yeah. you go back to real life acting. Hmm. I was like, that's a little heavy, but other than that, I think it's pretty. I mean, it's a tricky transition to play on screen, I guess, as well. I think they're making a point of it too. Yeah, I think course. that's a choice for sure. I, I think they do a pretty great job. Michael Keaton's first on the first preview night is the bit that stands out to me, where the camera is sort of like following him just before he does his monologue in front, where he's got the the spotlight on him. And as he's transitioning, he does stage acting, close-up film acting, and then stage acting again. And it's yeah. never mm. one thing. And I think that's pretty incredible. I think almost all actors tend to, when they're doing playing a stage actor on screen, they it's, tend to overdo it the way that, I can't remember his name, the actor's name is Jeremy something, but he's the guy who originally has the role before Edward Norton shows up. And his way of acting, which is phenomenal, he's a little bit of a secret weapon in this, is so over the top and you're like, that might actually work on stage. It's, it's Jeremy Shamus. <laughs> yes, yep. doesn't work on film at all. You, you seem terrible, you know. Which yeah. is great because he's like an uh, award-winning actor. He's, like he's the, got the most good. experience on Broadway and, of course, so he knows how to make it look silly without looking like he's trying to make it look silly. It's I really like Michael Keaton's frustration with him. When they're doing that, he's like, yeah, yeah, buddy, maybe, maybe you just got to think like how many fucking times, like, you know, he's trying not to lose it with him yeah. in those bits. The the opening 10 or so minutes of this movie is probably my favourite section of it. I think it builds in a way the percussion, the jazz uh, sort of score, the way even though probably almost everyone who went to see it who gives a shit about movies knew this was the movie that is all one take. Of course, it's not actually all one take, but it has that illusion to it that it yep. is all one continuous take. And when you're watching that take place from Michael Keaton's dressing room, from Regan Thompson's dressing room, down the backstage area, all through the, the sort of curtains and all the um, stagehands in onto the stage and then back off and back to his dressing room, it's pretty thrilling. It's mm. really like mm. virtuoso filmmaking. I, I can't contend with do it. We, do yeah. we know how many cuts? 28-ish. Like I think it's yeah, like, like. Yeah, and there's like five. There's you a, can a, see a couple of visible. For. There are a handful of moments where it just like goes to the back of his head and it just like pauses there for a sec. There are like still. Yeah, or through a black door. Or a, yeah. Time lapses. Yeah. It's night sky. Suddenly it's daytime. An actor leaves shot yes. momentarily. Yes. That's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty well done. It's It would have been a very interesting process to have the editors. I can't remember their names, but there were two editors for this film and having them there on the day, mm. having to work in a way they've never worked on a film before where it's like you have to watch us shoot this because that's what you're editing. You don't get to bury bad takes in here. Mm. You have to work with what we're doing and that would have been really weird to mm. kind of work As in that way. Douglas Crease and Stephen Maroney. Really, I think, fantastic work. By the but way, I think also because the scene was so well rehearsed and I think we should come back to the rehearsal process, it's very interesting, editing took two weeks. 
Yeah. That's so it. it's like because, I mean, it's hard work going up, but then you go get to the edit and you go, well, that's perfect take. There you yeah. go. It's it's take four in that one, take five of that, put it together, done. There's some colour grading, there's some lighting things to correct. There's obviously some like bits where they had to do the special effects uh, sequences and oh. bits where like the telekinetic stuff. But do you think most- he really has powers or he's just delusional? No. I think it's a little bit Is he of- a magic man? No. I think the whole movie is just <laughs> taking place in his head. No, well, it's I a dream. That's the most interesting. I would like to come back to that because there's some moments, of course, where you can you can argue where does the film actually end. Yeah, you know what I mean? but this is one I wish I'd reference. Where does the film actually end? When he Was jumps it? out the window and no, I see. I disagree. Oh wait, you mean the credits? No. Yeah, that's how I always. That's usually no, 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 no. This isn't a Marvel movie. It's, it's I, uh, occurred to me as well. We're about halfway through right now. And we haven't even done a synopsis. We've not done a synopsis. We've not talked about the basics of this. Oh. We probably should. <laughs> Again, Marcus with, with his time. Well, that's okay. My fault. I got far too excited. No, we, I mean, no, we did get excited. Again, just, it's like a big Tom with a shower scene. <laughs> Is it a short synopsis, pal? There, there's two options. I'm going to go the short one. <laughs> okay. A washed-up superhero actor attempts to revive his fading career by writing, directing and starring in a Broadway production. Cool. That was it. I think we covered that. Well, Frank, we didn't have to go back and do the synopsis. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just really love the synopsis. I like to read things, you know. Um, Should we talk about – let's talk about the rehearsal process. I think that's interesting because this film, unlike most films, was rehearsed heavily. Uh, Every actor that's talked about this film has said it was a choreography. Everything was – um, nailed to the the minute detail, and um, I think the actors really nailed the Cory that was serving hey. it up. Oh, Is that? Do you guys agree with me? Yeah. But apparently they're doing they're doing takes ten minutes, if not more. Like all these takes are very long, and they'd get to a point eight minutes in, and someone messes up, comes around a corner too early, and they're all like, ah, "That was literally it, right?" Emma Stone talked about. I think she did an appearance yeah, on Fallon where she's like, "Yeah, I came around a corner too early, like yeah. six minutes into a take." And uh, Edward Norton punched a hole in a wall and said, Whoa. I'll be in my fucking trailer. And it's like, wow. He's not that bad a guy, is he? I Wait, don't know. Please tell me that's not true. No, it's not. He punched, a hole, he punched a hole in an assistant. Yeah. And killed them. <laughs> <laughs> Pulled their heart out of their chest. Kalimba. <laughs> like he had those acid barrels in his rehearsal room, right? <laughs> Jesus. Pardon? He- mm. Acid barrel? Sorry. It's all right. Army Hammer likes a medium rare. Oh, Wow. We haven't talked and about him There enough. it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would have been a really thrilling thing as an actor. I think maybe one of the biggest issues people had with this that I will say that I don't necessarily have, but it's that it was a very indulgent actorly thing. Like you talk about, you guys all talk about, like we're all actors in this room, and the idea of like <laughs> Frank, Frank gestured to me and went, eh. <laughs> I gestured to the room. <laughs> no, was it me? That's fine. It's fair enough. Yeah. Um, I I think that you didn't have to bring that up. I, I, did it, I did it silently for a reason. <laughs> we'll cut that. We'll cut that. Um, there, yeah. There's a degree to which I think you get a little bit more insight into this as actors, but also it does feel like the an excuse for a lot of actors to be like, "Oh, this is like doing something like a Broadway play, like something where the stakes are so high and." where so many films are about the editing, are about covering things and, and like, you know, sort of hiding. Fix, fix it in fixing post mentality. in post, all that. It's like, no, you can't do that. We're the most important part of this. And I think that must have been pretty interesting to, to foreground the performance you, and the stakes of it. Has anyone said, I don't think, 
a lot of them sort of come out and say that though. I don't no, think but why would you? Why would anyone come out and say we were the most important part? You Fuck think, you all. Yeah, <laughs> like, of you course, think Edward though. Norton killed an assistant, but he won't say that. Yeah, well, he has a writer in his contract. He's got like an NDA. That's <laughs> he, has a, he has a tattooed on his chest. Yes. Yeah. I am I'm, the most I important. Will, I will kill you all and I'm the most important. <laughs> since they're shirtless in the interview, like, you know, it was a I, team effort. <laughs> we all pulled together. He's got a great lawyer too. He does. No, um, I, I think that, I, again, I, I'm, I, I started this by saying, that's not my criticism of this movie. I think that it would have been a really thrilling thing for actors to do. I see why people saw it as indulgent. I don't. I think it's great that they had this opportunity. Yeah, my I, question I is. don't think it's indulgent. Sorry. When, when creating a film, sorry, Frank, when creating a film, when, like, it's obviously not going to be for everyone, right? Like, when you're creating a film, you're picking a target audience or at least a few to try and hit. So my question is, who were they aiming for with this? Us. Yeah, is it, I mean, is it the actors' it for, film, like a film for actors? Look, for? I mean, this film did very well critically and there's a lot probably we'll get into the conversation about what this movie has to say about critics and art versus commerce and artists versus those who critique them. But certainly it was a success. But, and also, One, but also, act, sorry, no, on, it no, did win on. a lot of Oscars. But also actors versus um, superstars. Yeah. Or, you're not an actor, you're a celebrity. Thank you. you. Know, like, what's line, the word? Tabitha, celebrity. Uh, Tabitha, whatever her name is. The, Tab- the, the New York Times yes, critic. the New York yes. Times critic. Um, it definitely is a movie that I think has a lot of bitterness in it. It's probably where it starts to lose me is that I, I think this movie has a lot to say and I think most of the time it's saying it in a way where I find it a little bit off-putting and not particularly less the, the the style behind it is fun the ideas behind it I find a little bit curdled and kind of like ah you've got a chip on your shoulder yeah and I it's can a little feel it. it's a little not arrogant but it's like well the critics don't know anything so like look at us as artists we're actually the ones who know it all so you should listen to us that's my, yeah I agree with that because the critic doesn't get it doesn't get anything to do interestingly like they just she's like I'm gonna shit on you I'm gonna destroy your play or whatever she says and yes. it's like and then you see her come to opening night and then she leaves when he shoots his nose off, spoiler alert. But you don't see that she goes, oh, I changed my mind. Like you, we hear the review, but, but the actress doesn't really get anything to do. After an actor maims themselves. So it still gives you that out to be like, what a fucked up critic to like yeah. care because he shot his own nose off to yeah. spite his face. And remind, so it's, me, ah. remind me why she was so... Desperate to burn this. She hates the idea of like a big celebrity coming in and deciding that this actual proper sophisticated artistic world is their realm now and their domain. It's hers. It's, yeah. a, it's, a it's cur- like Chris Hemsworth doing Broadway. Yes. Or, you know, any sort of play. It's like Robert Downey Jr. doing an indie film. No, no, no. To the ground Robert Downey Jr. is a really good actor. So No, but I mean, I think what is Robert Downey Jr. now if he's not Tony Stark? What was the last thing he did? The fucking Doolittle movie? Like yeah, he's, he's Dr. Doolittle now. Uh, oh, my bad. And he's, doing, and he's doing really well. He needs to do more. Anyway. Do less. He, I mean, I think. The Do Universe. There's <laughs> a couple of films going. The Dooniverse, I guess. No, we're not talking about <laughs> Dune. We're not talking about Dune again. The Dooniverse. The Dooniverse. Um. I do, I do think that, yes, his mouthpiece, one of my least favourite scenes in the movie that then leads into one of my least favourite sequences is the conversation with the critic between um, Regan Thompson. Which then leads into him it getting drunk. Close right? up on her face and she's like, here's why critics are fucking evil and they hate nice things and why you don't get to do what you want. And then it cuts to, oh, it cuts, it swings to um, Michael Keaton. Essentially you could imagine Alejandro 
Inuritu off camera mouthing the words to like, we're the ones who actually put things forward and we risk things. Do you know how hard that is? And there's a part of me that really is like, man, like boohoo. Like I don't care that, like I don't care that you've built into this movie a defence mechanism that's like anything you don't like about it, that's just because you're a snobby elitist critic. It's like maybe it's bad. Maybe it's bad and that's why I don't like it. And this is as someone who kind of likes the movie. I hate those parts of it with a passion. I think those parts are so silly. It would have been braver if we just let it stand on his own. Or build a critic who has a dimension to them. Like you said, there's no dimension to that character. It's such a mouthpiece. It's so didactic. Mm -hmm. And then he leaves and it's like, well, that wasn't particularly subtle, but what have you got? Oh, you got a homeless guy screaming Macbeth on the street. That's good. That's good. The subtlety's really, I'm loving this. But like, then again, played by- Bill uh, Camp, yeah. our mate from the uh, Joker, one of the cops. Yeah. Screaming the tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Do you know? So, but I heard I heard that line. I was like, I know these lines, and I've I've not done Macbeth, and I was like, I know this. Oh, Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> That's like there's. I a, was like, oh no. <laughs> there's a podcast between these two people uh, where the whole bit of it is just like it's a guy who's like a piece of shit, and the girl is like a bit of a dumb blonde, and they don't actually like each other. They're called frenemies. It's like Trish and Ethan. I, I swear, I'll get through this real quick. Where she basically says like, you know why I like Joe Biden? Because he quoted Hamilton. In his speech, we hold these truths to be self-evident. That and, and the guy on the pod's like, you know that's from something else, right? And she's like, no, it's from Hamilton. Isn't that Thomas? <laughs> yes, uh, it's um, very funny. Yeah, because I, I was like, oh, whoopsie. But I, you know. I've that scene actually and worked for me. Yeah. The, the Hamlet screen because Macbeth. it is. Oh, sorry, Macbeth. Oh, who getting, cares? Getting thrown off by uh, <laughs> Mr. Corey over here. Um, <laughs> Dancing. Because it is so theatrical, it is a homeless man essentially dangling from scaffolding. I'm Mm. like, if you went and watched that on a stage, you would be transfixed. Yes, that's what I was. I thought, I was like, this would be great on stage. And then he stops and goes, Was it too much? I know it was too much. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, I was like, That's really good. Bill Camp's a very uh, captivating figure. I would listen to Bill Camp read the phone book. my question is, why do you think he put it in there? Because you've said it's a really arresting image and visual, but what's it doing, especially in conjunction with that scene just before? Because it's okay. This ties to a second scene, um, the famous scene of him in his underwear marching through the streets of New York. The, the streets of New York are his brain, because when he gets caught naked in the underwear, he has to walk through the streets. And through the streets, he is confronted with a a high school drumline from a marching band. He is confronted with uh, superheroes and people in costume, and he is confronted by thousands of people asking for his time. Uh, and is, also people yelling at him and hating him. Yeah, you suck, Birdman. That is inside his, his brain, brain. Yes. because mm. the drum, the drum line, represents the drum score that has been going on throughout the entire film. Action uh, superheroes and people in costume was him. He's adored by fans. He's hated by people. That is a microcosm of inside his brain. And so we are out on the streets of New York again and you have someone screaming Shakespeare. He's like, this is what I want to be doing. I'd I'd love to be screaming right now, but I can't. I have to hold it together because... My house is on the line. My relationship with my daughter, my ex-wife, my new partner could be pregnant. The world is collapsing in. I would love to scream, but I can't. 
Interesting. I, so I'll drink this cheap whiskey. Yes. I, I love I that's, love that's, that Chris's superpower is being able to identify symbolism in film. I've mm-hmm. just realised this now. It's very much what you watch or you look for in a film, I think, without probably meaning to, but, like, you pick up on things so quickly, um, whereas that t- makes total sense to me and it never occurred to me. I think the ropes especially, like, the, the bit I'm still stuck on is or, like, hanging on is the idea of the ropes and the score swelling. I think that's a fantastic visual and, mm. and sort of audio uh, conjunction. That's great. Mm. I, I read the bit with Macbeth being that she's talking about the fact that he's a celebrity, he's not a real actor, like, you know, anyone can do, you know, anyone can get on stage and read a few lines, it doesn't matter, and then he walks out and there's a homeless guy screaming Shakespeare as if to prove her point. Like, it's, you know, oh, there's I think that. it's, yeah, a bit of both because mm, I was like yes. everyone in New York is – more talented than him. Yes, or, that's you know. that's definitely how I read. And my reading, I find a which little I can hard. relate to. Yes, yeah. no doubt. I find my reading a little bit. Okay. <laughs> it's a little hard. Whoa! Put some sunscreen on that. <laughs> Sorry. I find my reading a little uh, shallow, and I think Chris's is, is a little more insightful. So I think that's good. Not I want to say I'm not particularly. I don't find this movie particularly funny a lot of the time. One of the yeah. lines that makes me laugh a lot is when he's out there in his underwear and the guy's like, oh, you're Regan Thompson. You're Regan. Can I get an autograph? No, no, no. Oh, don't be a dick, don't man. Give me an autograph. <laughs> that makes me laugh a lot. <laughs> I think it's nice to see how people treat him because, I mean, obviously we have no idea, but celebrities get hounded for it. And I know it's like, oh, woe is me. But that is such a – he's running around in his underwear, obviously distressed. Give me an autograph. Don't be a dick. That's horrible. Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, you know, his life's okay. Do you know well. what my favourite scene in the film is? You know, you know when uh, Keaton gets uh, Graham Norton. Graham Norton. Graham Norton's in this, by the way. Edward Norton. <laughs> Hello! Hello! Time for a white bike. He gets Edward Norton up against the wall uh, and starts screaming at him. Um, post him about his dad abusing. Yeah. Yes. And he does this like laboured breathing where he's trying to hold back tears mm. whilst yelling at him, berating him, and it's just such a good scene. It's, a, it's like a masterclass moment from Keaton where he just lets it shine. Which is great because that's what it is. And then he goes, I can be, I can bullshit too or something. Yeah. It's because yeah. he's just acting. Yeah. I was like, yeah. ah, acting, I love acting. Yes, beautiful. I don't oh. like that scene. Do you, how do we feel about the cinematography? Uh, Manuel Lebensky. Lebetsky. 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 Uh, uh, Chivo, as he's known to a lot of people. Actually. Yeah, yeah it's Spanish for goat. He's called Chivo, which apparently is not a reference to greatest, greatest of all time. time. It is just he used to get called Goat because he's worked with <laughs> Alfonso Cuaron a lot and yeah. Alejandro uh, Inuritu. Won he's the a, Oscar three years in a row. He has cinematography, which is crazy. Yeah. Gravity, Birdman and The Revenant, right? So yeah. he's like incredible. He's very, very Had good. Had my notes ready, but... Uh... Apologies. He's, <laughs> he's, a, very, Nokia. he's a very good cinematographer, um, but he's not only worked on that, he also worked on The Tree of Life with Terence Malick back in 2011 and it's very interesting that he's got that combined ability to do these grander spectacle things uh, as he does with the, uh, the plummeting sort of unidentified object earlier in the film, even just the shots of the jellyfish on the beach, but also just like whatever that fiery sort of spectre is that's... that's mm. I always thought it was a falling star, which is absolutely representative. Symbolic that's, of that, absolutely. Mm. But, but it, it looks, comes back later in the film. It does. Because it lands in the street. It looks great. It looks fantastic. And then he can also do... As do the jellyfish. They yeah. come back. Yeah. Yes. yeah. He's he's tying that at the, the bookends of the falling um, star and the jellyfish, obviously, with Michael's Michael Keaton's story. But yeah, just the way that he then managed to shoot something that was so dynamic and dexterous in this space. Those are my two favorite things about this movie. Uh, well, it's, I, I mean, would even go three. I would say the score, the cinematography, and all around the acting, I think, is pretty great. 
the overall conception themes and ideas behind it leave me a little bit cold. But I do think it's it's not boring to watch. It's definitely a pretty interesting film. The like I say, it's not boring to watch. Yeah. There is that scene where we come off the stage. It might be the second night of previews, and it just holds on a hallway until you hear mm. the gunshot, and it just yeah. holds there for like twenty seconds of mm. nothing, and you think. This could be so boring, but because the film has built up the fact that it's all one shot, there's always something moving. It's like, what is happening now? Oh, is it suddenly the next day? Is yeah. someone going to walk into shot? You, you don't know what's going to happen yeah. next. There's, like, there's all, there's always big movement. The first moment of stillness yeah. is like you're holding your breath, you're just yeah. waiting for it. It's great. Yeah. It's yeah. true. Yeah. Scorsese used a similar technique back in Taxi Driver um, where he had – the film following Travis for so long just in the early running and just being around a character like that is so like discombobulating and really disconcerting because he's such a, a nervous tick of a man but he's like trying to keep it beneath, beneath the surface and then it suddenly cuts to a shot of you can hear him on the phone but it's just an empty wall of phone banks and it's just a full 30 seconds where you're like, where the fuck is he? And then the camera <laughs> slowly moves to show him and it's the scene I thought about in that. I was, I agree. I think that's a great shot where mm. you're just there like, man, this movie has not stopped and now it's stopping and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool We're scene. talking about a lot of great moments in the film and I, I wanted to score it higher. I hated the ending and I don't know if how you guys felt about the ending. I would have preferred the original. Which the is? In the original ending that was scripted that Inura 2, I believe, uh, quite quite rightfully so, is embarrassed by now, mm. the film ended with Michael Keaton getting shooting himself, Yep, goes back to the dressing room and Johnny Depp is sitting there in the dressing room seat with a Pirates of the Caribbean poster behind him. Yeah. He puts on the wig that Michael Keaton's wearing in the show and the poster speaks and goes, what are we doing here, mate? And the movie ends. No. That was the original <laughs> ending. Really? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that can't be real. That is 100% real. As in Johnny and Depp's he, taking over the role. Johnny Depp's taking over the role and he's now kind of doing the like, well, now Johnny Depp as well because this is what we do to actors. We make them do these terrible franchises, et cetera, et cetera. What a fucking like oh my so, God. so atrocious it's almost anti-art, tell that me, ending. Tell me why that changed? He spoke to people about it out loud, out of his mouth, yeah. and they went, never say that again. <laughs> Change that ending. But that ending compared to where it gets to where, you know, he jumps out of the window and does he fly, they're very different. Like the, yeah. ma- the, pos- the, the possible magical ending where obviously because Emma Stone <sighs> looks for him and then looks up and is amazed. So we're meant to believe that Cut he is that flying. Shot. You don't like it. Hated it. Do you wish he'd just died? Do you wish he'd just jumped okay, in? Okay, firstly, firstly, hospitals don't let windows open. Let's just start there. Also should have like a heart monitor strapped to him yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. things. But then That's there's right. people yeah, who go, well, it's, f- it's all in his head. So it's like right. it's the, whole, it's the whole the review, everything turning around and being like, firstly, he takes off the mask and his nose is fine. No, no, no. It's not his nose. It looks awful, but like. <laughs> I was like, who is How that? long has he been there? For? Anyway, I've got yeah, issues with sorry. the whole ending. The whole ending to me doesn't read as happening. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like magical. The review, the review, as if you shoot your nose off on stage. Oh, he didn't. Sorry. Sorry, You couldn't let that go. Though, could you? I'm so sorry. That's fine. I deserve that. Uh, but as if, as if the review you would get after that performance would be like blood has been shed and blood needed to be 
brought back to the theatre scene. Yeah. It's like, no, he's deranged, he's insane yeah. and that's dangerous. Investigation underway, live bullets fired on stage. Live bullets, yeah. yeah. He, uh, he's killed someone no, honestly, in one of the I, booths. I would have preferred uh, I would have preferred that he does shoot himself. I don't mind that and that's it. And then you do get a review saying performance of the year or some shit like that. You know, you, you still get a glowing review. I would still like to see investigation underway. It'd be great to see. That. I I would like to have seen he shoots himself, the review's bad, and then he kills himself out the window. But you still see Emma Stone maybe like, oh, does he fly? Or he oh, thinks that, he flies. Mm, I don't even, know. Even like, if I was forced I wouldn't mind to seeing have his the whole life. thing happening, the Emma Stone final shot bugged me so much. It irked me. She has bug eyes. What are you bug do? eyes. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's weird though because we spoke about the magical ability or the telekinesis he has. It's never seen by another person. So we always assume that. Oh, sorry. No, you go. You're right. We always assume that it's in his mind and he's, he's just chucking a tent. He's not yep. actually powerful. Mm. And then the last scene is Emma Stone sees him flying. Mm. But it's like, no, throughout the movie we've seen that no one else can see this so it can't be real, but now it's real. And you're like, I don't know what to believe well, and I don't know right. what you want yeah. me to believe. He's walking through town at one point and there's helicopters, there's military dropping in, there's explosions. Yeah, like, but again, you go, that's obviously in his brain. Obviously. Because <laughs> then you have the taxi driver chasing him for, for, money. for money as if he's just stepped out of the taxi yeah. and not. That's my favourite thing about that sequence that I otherwise really don't like. But I do enjoy the... Dude, just get out of my fucking taxi. Like, pay me my money. I do like, like that. I'm flying. But I, so it, it works on the level that only he has witnessed these things, of course, as you said. And he, yeah. And all of a sudden Emma Stone's reacting to a moment and it's not, immediately it pissed me off. It's also yeah. like, uh, oh, maybe he flew. To which for me, as someone who didn't buy into a lot of this movie, I go like, so what? Like, so what does that mean? Like, so yeah. he did fly or he killed himself? Either, either one... Like, I don't find him dying satisfying and I don't find him flying and I don't find him having a mental illness that she's adopted as some sort of, like, folle adieu moment mm. satisfying either. So what does any of that matter So it me? would be interesting being that Chris is an 11, <laughs> having heard that. Yeah. I can, I can sort of give you my take on it. Sure, like, I'd appreciate to, that. Though. To say, oh, it's all in his head is, like, that might be sort of accurate, but I'm okay with it because the way I look at the film, anytime Michael Keaton isn't on film or in the frame, it's in his head. Like the scene with uh, his new partner and Naomi Watts kissing in the change rooms could just be in his head. Like he's just imagining what's going on while he's not there. I have no problem with that. That's a better read of that scene because I, I watched that and was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, So I, I don't hate that that's just him being like, I don't know what they get up to when I'm not around. Maybe they make out. Maybe they <laughs> do. Yeah. It's, you know, a nice masculine image. Yeah. Um, and so with, the, with that final shot, the, the second half of the film is about those two characters refinding each other, coming to terms with each other. He's apologising for not being around he wants to be a good father. He wants to be he wants to be the hero in her eyes. And so he's jumped out the film. He's probably dead. I have no problem with that. He is now imagining her seeing him fly, being the hero that he wants her to be. I'll and be honest, I'm, I love that. That works better. Oh, yeah. 
No, that one's better. Eleven. It it brings me back to a film that we did a while ago, American Psycho, where I remember you finding it really grating that the movie would suggest at the end, oh fuck, are they just going to do that? It's all in his head, and it's one of the very few films that I go like. I'm really happy living the Schrodinger of that movie, of going, if it's all in his head, that's scary, and if it's not, that's fucking scary, either mm. one. And, like, that, this movie does that. It, it doesn't work for me, but I get that there is an ambiguity there that either works on the level of the intimacy with the daughter or without him actually having killed himself. Or, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I find myself struggling to arrive at a way that that ending works with the integrity of what I think Euro 2 is trying to set up with the film. But I get what you're saying, that there's something there between the projection of what he'd want her to see. And I think I kind of love the final shot alone just on Emma Stone's performance. Mm-hmm. The way she goes from no one does a better um, transition between facial expressions than she does in this movie, whether it's right after she's yelled at him and told him no one fucking cares what you do, you don't matter, and then she just like goes, oh, that's right, this is my dad and I'm really high right now. Or like the scenes <laughs> she has with Edward Norton where she goes from like charm to grossed out to all these different things silently. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the way that her eyes go from panicked to looking up and kind of like bewildered. Yeah. I'm like, that's a great performance yeah. in service of something I don't know if it works for me, but she nails it. Yeah. Shrouding as Birdman only works without that final shot. Yes. I would agree with you that it's nice to know if it it is or it isn't, damned if it is. What if it cuts earlier for you? What if it's like she looks up, doesn't smile, and literally she looks up, it cuts? Does that help? It actually does. I think it does too. There's That's actually my edit note for it. I'm like, have her glance up and cut it. Don't yeah, have her laughing a, or smiling. Maybe yeah. that's even better. You know, as mm. much as I just said, I think her, her performance is so effective there. Mm. It services the story. Cut the a bit smile and I would have been a bit more impressed. You know what I fucking hate? Mm. In The Dark Knight Rises... Go on, you can have this last one. Do you remember how Michael Caine spends Uh, the whole movie being like, when I picked you up when you were a little boy and I said, Master Bruce, (laughs) you've got to be careful of bats, man. I retract my statement about your (laughs) accent work. (laughs) When he says he sets up earlier in the movie, every, every day I go to France and I... Order a cafe brunca. And I'm This is what he says in the movie. Sounds right. And he's like, he sits at a cafe and he looks for Bruce. He would look for Bruce. Oh, you don't need to see You him. don't need to see it. No, no, no. I don't agree. show I agree. the cut oh, I agree. of Bruce. Of Sh- like, show, don't tell. You are preaching shit. to the choir. 100%. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The last shot His of The Dark Knight Rises should be Michael Caine looking up and smiling. Yep, that's and it. that's it. I agree. God. So that's why I give The Dark Knight Rises. A six and a half, unfortunately, today. That's my review of Birdman, The Dark Knight Rises. (laughs) (laughs) The Dirk Knight. Um, (laughs) Well, that was an interesting turn of events. There's a great Norton line in here. It's my favourite. This is my MVP of lines. Do do you want it? I'm going to have it. it. I'm going to talk about my favourite line of the film. It would be the MVP. What do you want? I don't know. What's going on? Some fucking acknowledgement. Does someone want to talk about the... Uh, <laughs> oh, most valuable player of Lions. Is that what you wanted? I, get, well, I don't know if I no, wanted No, I'm sorry. I, I knew that's what he wanted I'm and deflated. I'm sorry. I'm I, should have done, I should have done that to you. Marcus, <sighs> will this make you feel better? 
<laughs> no, Norton, uh, he comes out with a line. Uh, he says, I pretend almost everywhere else but not out there. Of course that's the line you're like. Of course God, that's, that's a good no, line. No, that's such a shit line. Great line. What a douchebag. I love it. Uh, Don't I call love, Marcus I love, that. No. I love how, how earnest he is when he says that and how sincere. Like, it's well performed but it's, it's such, such a good line from such a Douchebag. No, it's the worst line of all time. Love it. I mean, between you two, I think it's a shit line that Edward Norton delivers very well. That's exactly what I I just said. No, I'm in between you two. I said, so it's like. (laughs) Articulate. It's the. It's the same as the line he says to Emma Stone where he's like, you're so big, you're so big, you can't be contained. You could be. Yeah, nothing but on. invisible? Or? Nothing. You couldn't be invisible on be all invisible. The, the beer and the wheat. And I'm listening to it and, and like <laughs> I, I I love that stuff. But then she calls annoyed. him out she goes, she I, goes, thank God you're not a writer. But I think writing a shit line as a screenwriter and then having a character go, wow, that was a shit line, doesn't cancel out the fact that it's a shit line. It's just like I agree that Edward Norton sold it. That's but what you do. I literally think that's as impressive it. <laughs> to take such a, a poorly written line and be able to deliver it with such sincerity. Yeah. That it lands. It's a very difficult. I love it as a, a writing exercise. It's a very difficult thing to intentionally have a character point out that the script is bad, and it's a moment that I think doesn't land on that level. But their performance, mm. their chemistry is very good. Yes, they. No, I, just, I think they actually have a. No, I think they have a really good chemistry. I'm just. Disagreeing. It doesn't really go it's anywhere. Just my opinion. Okay, well you're wrong. It doesn't really go anywhere, <laughs> yeah. but it's 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 fun. I kind of like it. It is though the the. the Truth or dare scene. And it, it, it's strange. I find myself relating to Edward in that scene. You know, truth or dare. Truth. Why? It's, it's always more interesting. I, I couldn't agree more. Nah, dare. Do a backflip. <laughs> <laughs> do, do a backflip. <laughs> there's Frank our personality truth. difference right <laughs> yeah. there. Truth, Frank. <laughs> huh? I'll do a backflip then. Yeah. You guys remember Frank's wedding, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, was great like, night. And I take you and he's like, babe, truth or dare? Like, this is not the time. It was in my mouth, yeah. <laughs> um, my MVP, I've got two. I think it's either Michael Keaton or Zach. Uh, what did you, how did you say his name? Gax Zellov of Gakis. Yes, both really great. <laughs> oh, actually, we haven't talked about An- Andrea Rise. Burrow. Andrea Riseborough of uh, To Leslie fame, nominated for that Oscar for that very yeah, middle-of-the-road movie last She's quite year. good in this, though, isn't she? She is quite good. I think she's a very good actor. She's pretty good in To Leslie. It's just a weird kind of event. We won't get into that. I don't think she's yeah. given enough in this. No, no I mean, she's not given much. But I don't think Naomi Watts is either. When you guys came in before with Naomi Watts stuff, I'm like, she's, way, she's in like three she's scenes. She's way better than Emma Stone. I disagree. Again, oh, no, no. that's your I, I opinion, would man. Yeah, this, but again, Stones. she's not given enough. She's not given enough. She, yeah, Michael Keaton is hogging. Purposes she requires. Yeah, she nails what she's required to. Okay, do. so go on. MVP: Michael Keaton and Zach Galifianakis. It's nice to see Zach Galifianakis. He's come off three Hangover movies and all these comedies, yeah. and then does this something very out of character for him um, to play the straight man. I guess you'd yeah. say almost like the voice of reason. I think he's really he's always endearing. I like him a lot. Um, and then Michael Keaton, obviously, for me, this felt like his resurgence almost, you know. Life imitating art, imitating 100%, 100%. life. 100%. It's a great Beautiful. casting choice. It's like here he is. Uh, and, you know, he's an incredible you, actor. You go in with skin in the game. Yeah, like, absolutely you do. We all, you know, we've all seen Batman, you know, oh, and so Is that what he's from? He was Robin, yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> he was Michael Keaton. <laughs> So, you know, we, we're going in with that in your mindset yeah. already and so you're already sort of pre-engaged, So, to, or at least I was speaking. speaking. Could, yeah, couldn't agree more. 
it's it's great casting in the way that everyone, like Michael Keaton is like the people's Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's like, oh, who's better? Christian Bale, Ben Affleck uh, and Adam West. It's like, well, I think Keaton, for anyone watching Birdman at this day and age is like, well, we grew up with Keaton, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. Clooney's the enemy, which I think is a nice sort of when they mentioned that <laughs> Clooney's in, the, in plane. the plane and it's maybe going to crash. It's like there's Clooney with that <laughs> fucking chin. That is and it's like another a very funny moment. Great little reference there. Yes. Uh, but no one likes George Clooney more than they like Michael Keaton. What do you mean? Especially as, as Batman, Batman or at all? I think both. Mm, you're wrong. I prefer George Clooney in general. Michael Keaton is a better Batman. Okay, I prefer Keaton. Really? Clooney, but, you, you know. Uh, like Clooney in Oceans? Great. Yes. But Clooney in what else? Michael uh, Michael Clayton. Clayton. Yes, Michael. Including Clooney in the Michael Keaton story where he plays <laughs> Michael Keaton. Wow. He just walks around but, offering people Nespresso <laughs> for some reason. He's very good in those ads. Who's your MVP? Edward Norton. Because he's pretending everywhere. Does it have to be an actor? <laughs> no. Oh. Chivo. Cinematography. Yeah. I think the cinematography oh, okay. in this film kind of, it's an impossible movie without him coming on. There are many interviews where um, there's like four screenwriters for this, which shows. I think it's too many screenwriters, but there's uh, Chivo and a bunch of the screenwriters did interviews afterwards where they were like, if Alejandro ever properly sat down with us and tried to explain what he wanted to do, we wouldn't have done it. This all was kind of an accident. <laughs> like if he'd really said this is what I'm doing, we'd have been like, no, we're not doing that. And once we were in, it was too late. So I think him then basically designing a sound stage, a, a, sorry, a, a stage and, and, and a whole theatre and things to accommodate all this. Which sh- it's shot in a real theatre in the James. No, it's it's set in that theatre, but they had to build something to accommodate. They couldn't shoot there because oh, they're really? like, there's no way for us to get. There a are shows crew. on. We can't oh, yeah. book. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That too. And yeah. like shots that I, at the same time as the second I see them, there's the part of me that wants to roll my eyes and then I go like, what am I going to do? Like get shitty at this. The, the amount of times there are shots in a dressing room where there are two mirrors and I'm like, well, where the fuck is the camera? Like, and I know that you're showing off but that's very impressive. I don't know where it is. You know? I'm annoyed because yes, you're so good. You, pulled, you did such a good job. You know, It's a magic yeah. trick that I'm ah, like, it's mm, not a mirror. I see you. It's a TV screen. I see you. Chris, have you got MVP? Uh, Keaton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah it's a great performance from him. Um, that's great. So do we anyone... have time to go into the pantry for two minutes. We do have time to go into the pantry for Quick one pantry. minute. Down I go. The butler in the pantry with a mic. It's shark in here. <laughs> it's fun to do something in the Finally middle. Finally nailed the little pause in there. Yeah. This was nominated for many Oscars, but it won, as you mentioned, four, right? Yeah. It won Best Director. It won Best Picture. It won Best Cinematography. It won Best Original Screenplay. Yeesh. It was up at the Oscars for the same year that they had Boyhood, Whiplash, The Grand Budapest Hotel, The Imitation Game. Etc. Etc. All these movies. Yeah. Etc. I don't know if you guys have seen Boyhood. No. Oh, it's a better movie. I prefer Boyhood by far. Boyhood is a movie that I quick will, synopsis because I feel it's a Richard Linklater movie that's filmed over the course of thirteen years that follows a real young no, kid as he yeah. grows up and it's like every year of his life they revisit the kid and film him. Heard it's about Ethan Hawke, Patricia Arquette. Mm. This little. It's a fucking phenomenal film. Mm. Um, and. The other thing, though, is that Michael Keaton is nominated. Michael Keaton, Edward Norton and Emma Stone are all nominated. None of them win. Michael Keaton loses to old mate for fucking the theory of everything. Oh, yeah, Eddie no, Redmayne. No, J.K. Eddie Simmons Redmayne. Sorry, beats yes, Edward Norton. Yes, for supporting. Yeah, Eddie Redmayne. Eddie for... Redmayne wins. Uh, <laughs> for Stephen yeah, Hawking. No, I could not <laughs> with you more. 
what the fuck? Like, and this is still not even maybe my favourite performance of the year, but you're going to give it to fucking Eddie Redmayne over Michael. <laughs> I'm so mad. You can watch footage of Eddie Redmayne winning and Michael Keaton stands up and you see him push an acceptance speech back into his jacket and you're just like, oh, no. Actually, Did he really? You can fully see him just go like into his jacket pocket. And Did it's like should have worn the utility belt, man. Don't that would have been way subtle, I think. <laughs> but he was uh, like, it's Benedict Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch for Imitation Game, yes. Bradley Cooper for American Sniper, yeah. Sniper Whoa, and Steve, Car- Steve Carell for Fox Scratch. Fox Ketchup. I can't even. Very I just, wow. I just said three all for three. three. three, for three. <laughs> it was Bradley Carell for Steve Coogan in Animal Cipher. <laughs> Snatch a fox. Ah, well, I tried my best. Um, uh. Fox Catcher, he's very good at Fox Catcher. Um, weirdly, a movie you and I have talked about, Marcus, I swear I'll get through this very quickly, Frank, yeah. but it's a movie directed by one of my favourite directors that I don't love, um, Grand Budapest, Wes Anderson, yes. but Ray Fiennes, mm. not nominated. Yeah, Travis for, for Grand, Grand Budapest. Budapest. Oh, shit. Fucking insane. He should well, be nominated for that film. Language, language and also you're wrong. He, he he has one if that's any consolation. Ray Fiennes? Yeah. Yeah, he's doing just fine. Dot, 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 dot. Schindler's? Nope. Bullshit. He's not won an Oscar. <laughs> Fuck. I know, and that's it. My thing's like well, Michael should. Keaton and Rafe both, they should have been the ones yes. duking it out. If one of them had won it, Fuck, I'd be man. happy about it. The fact that Eddie Redmayne swoops in and's just like, oh, thank you very much, you know. And I, then he goes I would on. like to dedicate this to my uncle, Michael Caine. Oh, he taught me about getting back up on that horse. He used to say, what that's, do we fall down, ready? All right, that's enough voices. Because <laughs> we've got to make sure. That's enough. So is anyone throwing in the power because I'm sick of you doing voices? Yeah, I'm going to go down to a six. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing out a sympathy stutter I for Frank. We, we <laughs> now need an owl on the set. That's hilarious. Ow! Ow! Uh, is that a legit six? No, mate. This, this is this is eleven. Oh, it's okay. fantastic. Great. Uh, it's, it's just a wonderful sweet spot for me. Yeah. Chris has put me at like a seven point four. I like it. I like it more hearing about Chris's take. I think it's a really authentic way of looking at it. Yeah, seven point four. Another good line. There we go. That one. Prestige right. is the slutty little cousin of. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should keep that in. Yeah. It's a slow little cousin of. Wait, I got another line. Gotta try, try it again. Isn't it celebrity is the slutty no, cousin no, of prestige? Popularity, popularity is the slutty little cousin of prestige. Well, I don't even know what that means. I, I, can't, I can't whip lines out. I just can't do it. No, just whip it out. It's fine. Just, you keep whipping. I oh, whip that line. Wow! Don't do drugs, kids. We don't, don't do, drugs, do drugs unless we go to watch <laughs> crazy movie in 2014. Yeah. It's been years and years since I've done that. That was a lot of fun. Is there anything else that anyone has to say about no. Birdman? Great film. Hashtag change the ending. The unexpected virtue of ignorance. That's Ra- my Raymond t- title of my life. There was a thing. Through in the Raymond Carver's What We Talk About When We Talk what? About Love. What We Talk About When We Talk About Love is ah. a short story based on oh, Raymond Carver. He wrote it and he also had a poem called The Last Fragment, which is on his gravestone, which is quoted at the start of the movie along with the words amor because that means love in Spanish. Beautiful. Spanish. You, you ran out of breath. Um, so, Paella. Thanks Paella, for right? listening, you guys. Paella.